Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Well, praise the Lord. It is good to be with you again, and I am so looking forward to uh, uh, all of us being here together. It's very soon coming. We have a few things we've got to get done around the building yet um, just to uh, ensure that we can do social distancing with one service. And um, thank you for your patience. I hope that you are taking advantage of all that we're doing online. And uh, I just want to thank our tech team again because they have just been outstanding in learning new skills, in being here extra hours. Um, It's it's probably something that a lot of people don't really understand how much time goes in to be able to produce uh, a a, a live stream that looks good. And and the tech team's so awesome, they're always striving for excellence. And so I appreciate that about them so much. And if you learn in the next few weeks of who's been on that tech team, um, because there's a slew of them, I can't even name them all, be sure to thank them. Be sure to tell them thanks for keeping us going through this, this time. And again, so happy that it's coming to an end. Um, last Sunday, I started a two-part series entitled Comebacks. And we talked about how we are wired to be a part of comeback stories and even be comeback stories ourselves. We're getting ready to come back as a church, as I said, and, and through these messages, I want to give you some things to keep in mind that will help us come back better and stronger than we've ever been. I think that would be awesome. I gave you a quote last week that uh, has been spoken by many people in the past, but it bears repeating today, and especially in the midst of our current situation. And it's this statement, your setback is just a setup for your comeback. Your setback, and we all have those, right? We all have moments in our life where we're set back a little bit, but just remember, it is a setup for your comeback. So important to hold on to that. And, and our stay-at-home orders have been somewhat of a setback as a church. I don't think a huge setback. We've had to cancel some plans, not being able to make new ones. Um, we've had to adjust the way we do things, and it's just been really annoying, to tell you the truth. Just annoying. But I choose to believe that God is going to use this whole thing as a setup for our magnificent comeback. You can't quarantine the gospel of Jesus Christ, church. You cannot do it. No government can stop uh, the church of Jesus Christ from spreading uh, his word. They just, the government can't do that. The more Satan attacks the church, the more opportunities we have to prevail and overcome. Your setback is just a setup for your comeback. And last week I talked about making essentials essential. And that if we will get our priorities right and live in a way that really does put God, family, church, and work in all the right perspective, that it will go a long way in helping us make our comeback great. I also talked about change for a change. If we will be willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and really allow him to lead us into new innovative methods and ways to build his kingdom, the sky is the limit to what we could accomplish as we make our comeback. So today I want to give you a couple more things to think about in reference to making this comeback absolutely magnificent. Number three in the series. Think them. Think them. I don't think I'm overstating this, but I I can't remember a time in my lifetime 
where it has been as important for Christians to put others' needs above their own as it is right now. There's a lot of division out there. Some of you have noticed this. Some of you have seen it. Politically, we know that there has been division even before this whole quarantine thing. The lines have been so permanently drawn in the sand, I don't know if there's any way back to any kind of resemblance of unity within our government and political leaders. It's so divided. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're, you're talking about our supply lines going to China over the last decades or Russia collusion with the Trump campaign or Nancy Pelosi having $25,000 freezers stocked with all sorts of ice cream or President Trump taking hydroxychloroquine. They're all hot buttons with so many people. And I could go on and on about all the things you hear about in the media. Every subject seems to be ultra-polarizing. This one nation under God country that we love so much this country that we celebrate this weekend those who gave their life for our freedoms it's really become two countries in many ways and although it shouldn't this division thing it has leaked down into our schools it has leaked down into our workplace environments our social circles our families and even our churches if you don't believe me name a denomination and I can tell you with pretty good efficiency what political party that the majority of their members associate with. And right now especially, as people are getting back to work, as we prepare to come back to church and restaurants and salons and everything else starts reopening, it is so important that Christians take on this think-them attitude and try to avoid the think-I or think-me mindset that is so easily to fall into. You can have your views and your opinions. I certainly have mine. But have wisdom enough to keep your mouth shut so you don't alienate everyone that you are supposed to reach for Jesus. I'm not talking about condoning sin or lowering our personal spiritual standards, but don't take your opinions regarding questions of conscience and try to ramrod them down everybody else's throat. And I get that there are all sorts of issues that people get hot under the collar about, but part of making Indianola First comeback as great as it can be is living what our name implies, Indianola First. Our name says that we put others first, not just our own church family, not just our own city, and those that may not be able in our immediate church family or, or, or town. The, the, the point is, as Christians, we should always think them, not I. Think them not I. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, Do nothing from revelry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. As we come back to church, how does this verse play out practically in this current COVID-19 situation. It's simple. Put others before yourself. Think them. You may believe that this whole coronavirus thing has been extremely exaggerated by the government and by the media, blown out of proportion, and you're probably right. But there are also those that have seen the effects of this thing firsthand and the horrible devastation that it causes, and that's just as real. Can I remind you of something? These aren't sin issues that a lot of these divisions going on in our world right now 
are talking about. They are differing views based off of personal experience and situation. The culture is taking sides loudly and angrily, but this kind of division does not belong in the church. Jesus said that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And I'm gonna hammer this a little bit this morning. I hope that's okay. I am just tired of people beating up on each other about how they're handling this. And honestly, I've been seeing and reading some of the hate coming from Christians towards other Christians. I've seen how pastors who know it's time to open get borderline cussed out by their own parishioners for opening too quickly. While others are accusing the same pastor of not having any faith and living in fear because he or she uh, didn't go against the government and keep having church through this whole thing. It's, it's just ridiculous. You can't win. Leadership is hard, I get that. You're never gonna please everybody, I understand that. But good grief. It's like you're caught in the middle of a meat grinder. And I've seen hateful rhetoric flying all over social media in regards to others making choices that are best for their families. But here it is, church. If you're on the extreme end of any of these issues, find some balance. We need unity and healing in our communities and in our nation, not more division. I think it's absolutely awesome that President Trump has said that churches are essential. I give him tons of credit for that because churches are essential. I feel that we have to open this country up for business and get our economy moving again. I believe that as a free society, we the people have to be trusted enough to be allowed to make good decisions and do the right thing for others. Even though we all know that many in our society won't do the right thing. I believe that those who are symptomatic need to be self-quarantined and those that are most vulnerable or who have compromised immune systems need to be extremely careful and stay home and not be shamed for doing so. And there seems to even be uh, confusion out there about what living in fear or living in faith actually means. We know Jesus said to his followers they would pick up serpents and not be bitten and they would drink poison and not be harmed. But that doesn't mean we have to run around and pick up snakes and drink poisonous substances to prove that we have strong faith. If someone said, hold this snake to prove you're not living in fear, I would tell them they're nuts. I'm not gonna hold a snake, poisonous snake, to prove something to you. We walk in faith, not in fear. And in our particular church, we've picked a day, June 7th. It seemed good to the staff, it seems good to the board, and it was a a date that had been placed in my heart by the Holy Spirit back in April, just shortly after Easter. So we are going to open on that day as safe as possible and do the best we can do for our multi-generational congregation. And I understand, I'm one of the people that wants to open quicker. Wish we could open a week ago. I'm tired of preaching to an empty room. But I'm glad you're watching this morning and we're gonna get back here soon. When we come back on that date, June 7th, which happens to be my birthday, which is gonna be one of the greatest birthday gifts I think I've ever gotten, I believe it will be perfect timing. There will be more people who are comfortable by then. There will be some additional guidelines for churches and especially their children's ministries by then. I think there's going to be some relaxed guidelines that will help our first Sunday back seem less clinical and more like the family of God atmosphere that we all love and we all long for, just hang on for two more weeks. 
One more Sunday, and then the next Sunday we're back together. And as we make a comeback, we are going to think of others before we think of ourselves. In fact, why don't you just turn to your neighbor wherever you're at and say, we have to think of others before we think of ourselves. Go ahead and do it right now. We gotta think of others before we think of ourselves. We will not be so inwardly focused that we become extreme in our views or divisive with our words. We are going to love one another as we meet together again, and we will prefer others and their needs over ours. That's who we are as a church. Practically, that plays out in more ways than I can even mention. But here's a couple. Don't shame people for wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. And this includes even dirty looks. Don't ridicule others for how they feel or you know, have your opinions about everything going on, but, but don't make it your personal priority to make everyone think like you. We are a church so that we can be more effectively propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ, not so that you can have platforms for your personal opinions regarding current events and situations. If people desire to keep social distancing practices, don't make them feel awkward by forcing a hug or a handshake. Love people where they're at, respect them, give them the right to decide for themselves what is best for them and their family. After all, we're not talking about sin issues here, just opinions that are formed as a result of personal situation and experience. If Christians will refuse to be so easily offended and if they will walk in that think them attitude instead of the think me mindset, we could begin to lead our communities back to unity. Let's face it, we can't lead where we won't go ourselves. And if the church is divided, how do we expect to lead a community or a nation back to unity? And I hope you understand, I hope you see how divided we are and how volatile our systems are, and how quickly this great nation who people have, have, have bled for and died for and sacrificed for, how quickly it could be gone. Boy, this takes a lot of wisdom. It takes restraint. It takes stepping out in faith. It takes both at the same time. It takes balance. Church, we need to walk in that kind of balance. When we do that, we will lead the culture. Romans 12.10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 1 Corinthians 10.24 says, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. I mean, I was going through verses, these think them, being others-focused verses in the Bible, and there are tons of them. Way too many to read here this morning. But as you begin to read them and just let that word of God get down in your spirit, it's amazing how it just changes your attitude. We're here to represent Jesus, not our own agenda, but his. Maybe you've heard this story, and I want to tell it in reference to thinking others, thinking them. 
but it was April 26, 2008, on a small, in a small town um, on a softball field in the middle of Washington State. Two collegiate women's softball teams were fighting for the great Northwest Conference Championship. And it was a great game that would be remembered forever by the less than 100 people attending. It was especially memorable, life-changing really, for Sarah Tukulski, who played for Western Oregon University, and, for, and Mallory Holtman, who played for Central Washington University. Two opposing teams, two opposing players, Sarah and Mallory. It was the second inning of the game. There were two runners on base, and Sarah was up to bat for her team, and although she had never hit a home run in her life, she connected with the ball that day and knocked it out over the fence. Everyone was going nuts as the two runners came into home, but then they noticed that Sarah was on the ground. In her excitement, she forgot to tag first base, and when she realized it, she quickly turned back to tag up, but her knee did not turn with her. She crawled her way back to first. That's when her coach was informed that nobody from her team could touch her or replace her as a runner. It would be ruled a two-run single if Sarah couldn't make it around the bases. That's when Mallory Holtman from the other team did the unthinkable. She asked the home base umpire if she could assist Sarah around the bases. Mallory happened to be the record holder of number of home runs hit in that conference that year. The umpire, somewhat stunned by this request, said there was no rule against the opposing team helping the runner, so Mallory and another one of her teammates picked Sarah up, and they walked around the bases making sure to stop and, and, and lower her so that her foot could touch every single base. By the time they got home, everyone was on their feet. Tears were flowing, and everyone realized they had just seen a magnificent display of sportsmanship. It overshadowed everything else about that game. Sarah's team won that day, but Mallory should, uh, showed, I'm sorry, Mallory showed the world what it means to lay down your own agenda and think them before you think me. And make no mistake, thinking them is hard. It's a hard thing to do. We have an inner selfishness that has to be dealt with. We desire to be right and for everyone to know we are right. We desire to have our agenda being followed because it ultimately brings an advantage to us in some way. We like being revered and for everyone to consider us the smartest person in the room and even just wanting to have the attention on us or, or, or everything to be about us. Others-centered, thinking them, is difficult because it puts ourselves in the back seat. And it would be impossible for me to go over every scenario that this think-them attitude could play out in. So just ask yourself regarding each particular situation or scenario you find yourself in, what's my motive here? What is really behind my attitude right now? Why are the words coming out of my mouth that are coming out of my mouth? Why am I choosing those words right now? Am I all about them or am I selfishly all about myself in this moment? Thinking them will revolutionize your entire being, church. It will open doors and opportunities that you haven't even imagined having. 
And like so many truths in Christianity, it's a paradox. When you put others first, they will put you first. My wife used to tell our girls, and I think she still does from time to time, if you want to, be a fr- if you want to have friends, you have to be a friend. So true. It's like when you give, God makes sure you're given to. We have to give up our lives in order to find them. We have to die to self to find eternal life. All these paradoxes in the word of God. And, and, and this is just like it. If, if you want others to think of you first, you've got to think of them first. So, so far, we've talked about a few things we've got to remember to come back and make our comeback as a church magnificent. One, we have to make the essentials essential. Two, we have to change for change. And three, we've got to think them. We've got to think them. And one more thing, my final point in this series. We must learn to leap. Learn to leap. And by this I'm saying that we must be willing to step out of the boat in faith and walk on water. I love the story of Jesus walking on water and calling to Peter to join him. And I want to read it. It's only a few verses. Matthew 14, 22 through 31. It says, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Well, he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had arisen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in fear, and they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid. He said, Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? The thing that always intrigues me about this scripture is that Peter actually did walk on the water. He had faith. He made the conscious decision to step out of the boat, which was acting on his own faith, and he was successful in being the only man in history, except for Jesus, that actually walked on water. We tend to focus on the fact that it didn't last that long because he sank and cried out to Jesus for help. The Bible doesn't tell us how many steps Peter took, but if he took one step out in the water after he got out of that boat and he took the next step and maybe he took a third, I don't know and then the wind and the waves started to get to him and he he started to slip and he reached out to Jesus. He took a couple of steps at least on the water. It's phenomenal. Why did you doubt me? We focus on that. But let's not underestimate the miracle of Peter actually standing on that water, walking on it, even if it was just for that short time. As we make our comeback as a church, we must be willing to step out on turbulent waters and believe for the miraculous. If we want our comeback to be all that it can be, that's what we gotta do. And let's be clear, faith is not living, and I want you to hear this this morning, faith is not living in the absence of trials and tribulations. 
Faith is not living in the absence of trials and tribulations. Faith is living in the security of Christ to the point that the trials and tribulations seem arbitrary or even maybe you don't hardly notice them at all. If you are in this world, you are going to go through stuff. Don't be confused that a strong faith somehow pardons you from all the things bad that happen in this world. A strong faith allows allows you to rise above all that junk as you keep your focus on Christ. How does that look? Well, it, it can mean a lot of things, but essentially it's being willing to step out of the comfort and safety of our secure boats and exercise our faith. And that's the thing about faith. If we wanna have strong faith, it has to be exercised on a daily basis. Praying for healing when the opportunity Arises, giving financially as the Holy Spirit directs you, serving in ministry when you are prompted by the Holy Spirit to say yes, believing and standing on His Word despite all the situation and circumstance going on around you. You know, some people say that that uh, the church needs to. They've just lived in fear. They've powered. They've listened to the government. They've done all these things, and they should have just kept going right through it because this is all a joke. I'm telling you, that's not the case. And and here's the thing: if you believe that way, you're forgetting one thing: the Word of God cannot be stopped. Do you know how many people have heard messages and have the, the, the reach of churches has been so much further since this thing started? So what the devil meant for bad, God turned around and made it good. And it is awesome. It is awesome. I said to our staff and I'm saying to the church, I said it last week, this online thing ain't going away. We're gonna meet together and it's gonna be powerful and it's gonna be magnificent. It's gonna be wonderful, but our reach is going to stay the same throughout our online deal that we've been doing. And we're just gonna keep pouring gasoline on that thing because that's a fire that's got started and it's burning strong. And I love it. I love the fact that we can have such a great reach. We have to exercise our faith though. to stand on his word despite all the situation circumstance going on around us what if we could develop our faith until it becomes a natural reflex a knee-jerk reaction to any and all situations i mean really what if we learn to leap and our faith was our natural reaction when a given situation arose in our lives instead of fear instead of anxiety instead of worry or stress being our go-to reaction. Those things come so naturally to us, but wouldn't it be awesome if we learned to react with faith and when the situation arose, we could just leap out of the boat and walk on water? Faith, according to Hebrews, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It just means uh, that we believe automatically in the good that will come to us through any given situation. And we choose to believe the good. I was talking with uh, Denny Phillips this morning, and I, I think it was, it just blessed me, because many of you know that they experienced a, a home fire, and, and um, it didn't destroy everything, but it destroyed a lot, and they're no longer able to live in their home until things are cleaned up and fixed up and all that. But uh, they had to move to another acreage, which God provided for them, which is awesome. And, and Denny was just talking, he goes, this is awesome, it feels like we're on an extended vacation. Now, isn't that, isn't that wonderful that you have a house fire and you have to be up, 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 you know, rooted and move into another place and your attitude is, oh, it's like a mini vacation that's extended for a long time rather than, oh, I'm so displaced, I don't have any. Denny, that's an awesome, awesome attitude. 
I think that's why so many, so many of us are drawn to that guy and his personality. Just positivity comes off of him. A sickness is an opportunity for God to heal. A financial crisis is an opportunity for God to provide. A pandemic is an opportunity for God to deliver. It's about expectation, church. It's about expecting God to do great things in the midst of trials and tribulations. Knowing that you know, that you know, that you know that he will see you through to the victory. So many of us get locked into a belief of unworthiness or inability to be involved in the miraculous. We think, oh, we can't, we can't step into that. Have you ever gone to a circus? And if you have, you, you may have seen at some time uh, an elephant, a large elephant tied off to a stake in the ground. It's how they travel around and you know, keep their elephants in, in the places they want them. They drive a stake in the ground, they tie it to that stake. You may not think too much of that, but if you give it a little thought, it, you might question why this powerful animal just doesn't pull it out. Because he obviously can. I mean, it's obvious that the, the stake is no match for that elephant's muscles. How does that stake hold this magnificent creature? When the elephant is a baby, and this is what they do, when the elephant was a baby, they tie it to a big tree or a very strong, deeply buried pole. And the young elephant pulls and pulls and pulls to get free. It'll actually wear itself out trying. This goes on for days, in, for weeks in some cases. But eventually that young elephant just gives up. It's no use. They can't get free, so they accept defeat and they just always remember, right? We know elephants always remember. So when they're older, they don't even try. They've been conditioned to believe that it can't be done, so what's the point of trying to pull on it? We're the very same way, church. We get beat up by the world or the devil when we are younger in our faith. Oh, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? What makes you think you can accomplish that or be a part of that? We get told these lies and we begin to believe them. We get knocked back a little bit. Maybe we stepped out in faith at one time in our early Christian life and we got hit a little bit. You know, sometimes church leadership does that and they don't even mean to. They don't even tend, intend to at times. Maybe you've been hurt in that way and it's like that stake that, oh yeah, you can't pull that out. We become conditioned to believe that it just can't be done anymore, that those things can't be done, the miraculous can't happen. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, church, I'm here to remind you that it can be done. If God is in it, it absolutely will be done. If we are prayed up and read up in the word and we have been practicing intimacy with God, then we can trust what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do and, and as we step out of that boat. We see the miraculous hand of God work through us and we'll, we'll walk on that water. If we learn to leap as we come back at, as a church, our comeback's gonna be amazing. Let's make essentials essential. And let's, let's be willing to change for a change and always, always, let's keep and cultivate the culture of thinking them, not thinking me. And we absolutely must learn to leap. It's time, church. It's, it's, it's time to make a comeback. To come back stronger than we have ever been. It will be 12 weeks of not physically meeting 
by the time we have our first service back together on June 7th. 12 weeks. This body of believers is, I mean, they're missing one another uh, something fierce. There are going to be tears that day. There are going to be reunions. There are going to be praise and worship uh, from hearts that uh, uh, have been longing for that corporate worship. But there will also be some people missing because of their health situation or even because of the health of those in their home. I, I gotta say, I, I'm so proud of this church. I'm blown away by your strength and endurance. I'm blown away by your love that you've shown me and the staff. You know, there's so many that have differing views, even within our church, of when we should come back, when we shouldn't. But I really haven't been nailed to the wall and treated poorly or yelled at or any, anything like I've heard some of the other pastors going through. And I appreciate that so much. You're letting us lead. And we really appreciate that. If there's ever been a litmus test for the strength of our church, this has been it. And we are coming to the end of this ordeal victorious. We're strong, church. And as we make a, our comeback, we're gonna make it even greater. And we're even gonna be stronger. And if anything in these last two messages has touched your heart, please let us know. Comment or send us an email. But most importantly, make a commitment this morning to live out these three points. Not just in the realm of our church life, but in your personal life as well. Make essentials essential. Change for a change. Think them. And learn to lead. Let's pray. Father God, we give you praise today. For all that we've learned and all the glorious things you've done through this time that we've been going through. God, the testimonies are awesome as we've heard them. Refocusing. Changing some things we've needed to change. Getting our prayer life back in order. Being reminded that others need to be held more importantly than ourselves, Lord, in our minds. And God, I ask you right now to just move by your spirit in every person's heart that can hear my voice right now. God, we want to make a commitment to you as a church to not be the extreme ones that, that, that take extreme sides and alienate half the people they're supposed to win. But God, that we will walk in wisdom, we will walk in balance, and we will continue to do your will. God, I know there's something brewing in the spiritual realm. I know you're getting ready to do something great. And Lord, I just believe like there's these two uh, things that are, are coming together. Us coming back to the church and, and you planning uh, this, this thing, this stirring. And God, as it comes together, I pray our comeback would be absolutely phenomenal. That our effectiveness would be like it's never been before. In our church ministry, but in our personal ministries as well. God, we want to be together. We want to be with you. We want to meet corporately. And God, prepare our hearts for that so that our comeback can be absolutely magnificent. 
We commit to you today as a church to be those kind of people. In Jesus' name, amen. If, you're, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, or you just want to rededicate yourself to him this morning, I, I encourage you to reach out and ask for a prayer right now, and one of our online pastors will pray with you to receive him. There's nothing more important you can do than ask Jesus to be your savior. There's, nothing, there's not a, a more important decision you can make than to just give your heart to him once and for all. Even if it's just rededicating because you've fallen away a little bit. Church family, we love you. We miss you. We're coming together soon. God bless you. Thank you for being here. And uh, have an awesome, awesome, safe Memorial uh, Day weekend. God bless. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.